Welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. In light of COVID-19, our regularly scheduled 9 and 11 a.m. Sunday services are currently suspended. During this time, we will live stream our 11 a.m. Sunday morning service and plan to offer other online connection points throughout the week. You can find us on Facebook or visit www.rockpoint.org for more information, including important schedule updates. Good morning. I want to welcome you again here to this time. You've just had a time of worship. Normally we would have a time of greeting and the church is packed out today. We have about 10 people here. Instead, I want to offer you something different. As we get into our conversation today, a message entitled Truth Be Told, I want to present to you a song, or rather have Jake present to you a song that we came across recently, and it kind of is a good lead-in for where we're going to have in our conversation here today. And so as we continue into um, this message, I'm going to ask that you listen very closely to the song and especially to the ending of it. So here now is people. and the worst you've created Loving and hating and opinionated Loners in basements and those congregated Deliver me Far from the peaceful shore I was sinking Deep in the ocean of thoughts they were thinking don't know the validation I'm seeking. Deliver me from people, people. When you said you could heal me from anything, did you mean people, people? I can't point them out I won't say the names I don't know the damage Which one to blame It's just people People Deliver me She was the reason I smiled in the morning He took the last bit of joy I was storing That's too much power for anything human Deliver me from people, people I know you can heal me from anything what about people people deliver me 
Cause I can't point them out I won't say their names I don't know the damage Which one to blame It's just people People Deliver me The hurt are hurting And the broken are breaking And the ones who have their joy taken away Are out here taken from mother Give people, people, crazy people, people, trolling people, people, self-righteous people, people, inside of people, people, hating people, lying people. Respectful people, and forgive me when I've been one of those people. People, deliver me. ask if you'd pray with me for a second. Um, Father, as we hear this song that talks about all the people that have hurt us, and the singer at the very end makes it clear that they themselves are sometimes one of those people, and they ask to be delivered from other people, but at the end they ask to be delivered even from themselves and from the harm they can do to others. I pray, God, that, that you would let this sink into our minds and hearts today as we examine your word and your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're in strange times, guys. I mean, this is just a weird, weird, weird time. Uh, I was walking past one of my son's rooms the other night, and they had gathered together to uh, look at an MMA fight. And uh, I got drawn into it for just the, the first undercard uh, fight. And it was really strange because there's no audience, obviously, so no one is in there. Normally it would be raucous and screaming and yelling and music blaring and everything else. Instead, you just hear the quietness as they walk into the ring. And then you hear the quietness of the pummeling of the, of the punches and everything else. And it was just a completely bizarre situation. And that's what we've been facing for the most part through this entire season of time. Uh, the word unprecedented has been unprecedented in its usage in this season of time. Today, I want to talk to you just uh, quickly, uh, and it's really two different subjects, but they do kind of flow together. I had um, someone conversation with me recently in regards to the variety of trolls, or not even trolls, really. It was a variety of videos and things that were being passed on to them that were later found to be baseless or outrageous or not true. And they asked for some scriptures to respond to people on. And, and so, first of all, I would want to say that to that person and others of you that struggle with this, that um, a lot of times they're not going to be very receptive of that. 
So I'm going to try and do that for you a little bit here today, if they're uh, listening at all in the process. Um, the gossip and the confusion has gone off the charts. And the fact of the matter is, we are not going to know most of the facts or truth of what's going on for at least a year and possibly for several years. Um, there are people that have gone to the point of saying that 5G towers are causing the coronavirus. And so in Quebec recently, four cell towers, towers were burned down uh, because of that, that rumor floating about. Ironic thing, none of them were 5G towers. Uh, same thing has happened, though, in the U.K. So how do we filter through all these things? That's a challenge. There's been a lot of misrepresentation, obviously, um, throughout our country and from a lot of what would be normally established sources of truth, as another friend of mine pointed out to me recently, too, in an email. I want to I kind of return to something we talked about a ways back, and it was an acronym entitled THINK. And very simply, it, it's this way. Before you pass on that email or that video or that revelation of whatever is taking place right now, that insider truth, I would ask you to do this. First of all, determine whether it is true. This is based on an acronym of THINK. First, is it true? If you don't know absolutely that it's true, if you don't personally know that it's true, don't pass it on. Second of all, is it helpful? Is it truly helpful or is it just, again, more things wandering around the, the net? The third thing is, is it inspiring? Does this inspire or terrify people? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? The next one I'd say is, is it necessary? A lot of the stuff we pass around is neither truthful, helpful, inspiring, and many times not necessary at all. The final thing I would say is, is it kind? Is whatever we're passing along, first of all, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? If it's not, then don't pass it on. Um, the issue with the Internet is there's a lot of, of, of false statements out there, and you have to filter this through. And, and almost everyone now that has a computer or a website of any kind or, or an account of any kind with Facebook, you are now a public broadcaster. I know you don't think of yourself that way, but you are now broadcasting to a public, and that is now all of us at this point in time. We all have this ability to be public speakers and public broadcasters, and we need to be very responsible in the process of that, and Christians particularly need to be responsible about this. I'm very careful about the facts that I try to bring before you today to, to verify that they're truthful, and, and I've been able to do this so far in this church for 36 years because we are so careful about that that... That, so that we can be a trusted source in that. You, as a believer in Christ, particularly are being looked to. And in response to the, the thing involved here, if you want to look at Scriptures, then you can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20, where it says, I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, Arrogance and disorder, those last three probably, gossip, arrogance, and disorder, I think kind of sum up our time period right now. Make sure that you're not falling into that pattern. Um, Proverbs 16.28 says, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Let's not do those things that are going to separate us. Let's not be untruthful or, or un, uh, 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 irresponsible in what we're portraying. Uh, there's a passage in Exodus that talks about not giving false witness. 
and, um, and it speaks specifically against your neighbor, but there's a general statement of saying we're not supposed to be giving a false witness. And if we do not know that it is absolutely true, that we have validated that, fact-checked it, checked all the sources to be clear, then we should not be passing those things on. We are all now public speakers. We are all now public broadcasters, and we need to be responsible in that process. It means to be accountable for our actions, responsible, to be trustworthy, to be reliable. Christians should be trusted sources of truth and not adding to the pain or confusion that's taking place already here. We need to be very cautious and very humble in what we do during this time period. Again, most of the facts aren't going to be known for at least a year and probably for several years. And uh, um, our witness as Christians is based a lot on how we act and what we communicate and what we say during this season. And the Internet is not necessarily always the greatest source of truth. Abraham Lincoln himself said the problem with quotes found on the Internet is that they are often not true. April 15th, 1865, evidently he made that quote just prior to his death on that date about the Internet in 1865. If you're confused about that quote and its validity, talk to me later and we'll process it out. That's part one. The second part's a little longer of this conversation today. Um, I wanted to give you an idea of how we are handling things here going forward as a congregation. And I want to say, in regards to what I've just said and what I'm about to say, that for those of you that do not know us as a congregation, um, we have had remarkably little conflict in our 50-some years of functioning as a people. And I think that's still pretty much true today. So these comments aren't necessarily meant to stifle something. It's meant to guide us and to have us have a watchful eye as we continue on uh, with hopefully not seeing these things flare up. So as we've been examining how we act, this has been a very intense period for leadership throughout our country and, and absolutely with church leadership as well. As we're trying to sort out what is true and what's not true and also how we're supposed to operate in this time period. There is, a, 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 I think, a heavy hunger for us to be drawn together and to be back in place. There was a um, study that I came across recently from Harvard, of all places, and it was a study about the well-being of healthcare workers in the United States. And it's interesting, it found, this Harvard study, that those who regularly attended worship services, on-site, gathered together, uh, worship services were at a lower risk of deaths related to alcohol, drugs, or suicide, collectively known as, they put it, as deaths from despair, quote, unquote, deaths from despair. The researchers from the T.H. Chan School of Public Health at Harvard University had this study published just recently uh, in the uh, um, Journal of uh, Medical Psychiatry. It was titled, Religious Service Attendance and Deaths Related to Drugs, Alcohol, and Suicide Among U.S. Health U.S. Healthcare Professionals. The research drew from a sample of 66,492 female registered nurses via the Nurses' Health Study, Part 2 of 
and 43,141 male health care professionals drawn from the health professionals follow-up study from 1988 to 2014. And according to the researchers, women who attended religious services at least once per week had a 68% lower hazard of death from despair compared to peers who did not. That's huge. While men who attended worship at least once a week had a 33% lower hazard compared to men who never attended. And there's more about this study. They thought part of it is the convergence of shared beliefs and, quote, enhanced social connection may be associated with the health benefits. But one um, of the individuals, I think, who put the, the writing together, the study together, said that they are striking in part because clinicians... Healthcare workers are facing such extreme work demands and difficult conditions in part because many religious services have been suspended. We need to think what might be done to extend help to those at risk for despair, said one of the authors of this. Now, in addition to that, another study in 2018 said researchers from the University of Texas at San Antonio found people who attended religious services and pray often typically sleep better than their less... Um, religious or participatory people. This plus a whole lot of other things that we find in scripture and we find now in science and otherwise is saying that gathering together, physically gathering together is really important for our emotional, mental, spiritual, even physical health. Yet for the last number of weeks here now, going on 10 weeks, we have um, stepped back from gathering. Why is that? First thing I want to say and, and maybe say several times is that from our perspective as a leadership, this is a medical emergency. This is a public health crisis, not a political one. Any decisions we're making are not based on the politics. They're based on, on several key passages of Scripture for us. One is that we would act in love, especially towards the weaker members within our congregation, but towards one another, John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so must you love one another. And so that has been the first scripture that we would go to. We'd follow that up with Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And so love has been, and, and concern for one another has been one of the driving aspects in our decision-making process. A second part to that, Romans 13.1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And then it goes later on in the passage, in the fifth verse, to say, therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Now we can disagree with the authorities. We have that right in this country. We vote. Uh, we can comment. We can do all those things. But we're to do that not only on a truthful basis, but also on a respectful basis. Uh, for those of you that are really caught with this passage, uh, I would say look up Mickey Badlamente, who was here just a minute ago. Uh, his devotional, he treats this subject of respect for authorities, I think, extremely well in a devotional that was re released just a few weeks ago. And so you can follow up on that. So loving one another, a respect for the authorities, not just obeying them, but a respect for them. Um, the final point we would go to is in Luke chapter 4, verse 12. Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so we do not want to test God. Even though we have faith, we have very little fear. Uh, at least I can speak for myself and our leadership. 
I've not come across anyone in our staff and in our executive leadership with our elders or trustees, nobody that I see as operating off of fear. But we also do not want to be foolish. And so basically no fears and no fools has been kind of a guideline for us in this time. So these three things have guided us. Here's the thing. In this state, we have had the right to assemble as a church right from the beginning. There was a moment in time when the governor put a, put a block on that. Very quickly, she removed that. And so we've been able to convene from the start. We have chosen not to, not again for any political consideration, but for the guidelines I just gave you, and because we want to be considerate and caring about one another. There is a point in time where, yes, there's a despair that sets in. There can be a, a point where there's such loss, and I think we as a country are grappling with that right now. At what point do we need to live life and, and risk what's present? I'll, I'll say this probably a couple of dozen times over the next course of time. Um, not this part, but what I'm about to say. Uh, Star Trek, Dr. McCoy, he, all throughout the series, he's always being drawn into this or that, but he always makes the statement, I'm not a mechanic, I'm a doctor. I'm not a physicist, I'm a doctor. I'm not a, you know, a, a this or that, I'm a doctor. And, and as much as he still does all those things, he never forgets his role. He never loses his sense of identity that his profession, his role, his responsibility is that of a physician, someone who is called to heal. I am not a performer. I am not a politician. I am not a media personality of any kind. I am a pastor, and as such, I and those who lead with me, we are responsible for the safety and well-being of our people. We have a great congregation. You have been unusually unified, unusually sacrificial and loving and generous in this season of time, I think beyond what is normal for churches. You have given and provided for the homeless. You have provided hundreds, probably thousands of meals at this point in time for those who have need of food. You have provided over 10,000 pairs of gloves to the Detroit Police Department, thousands of masks to the Osborne community, sanitizer to open up stores. There's so many ways and things that you have done as a people. And some of you who have received in times past have now given back to care for others. I do not have complaint against you at all. But in this next season of time, we need to be, I think, particularly watchful of that unity. There was an um, article done recently through the Gospel Coalition that I'd encourage you to read in its entirety. There's two of the scriptures they reference in passing I actually want to reference here today. And I'll, I'll quote from the first portion of this entitled, Church, Don't Let Coronavirus Divide You. And um, this will be posted on our uh, website or on the Facebook account. It says, for church leaders and elder boards everywhere, the last few months have, been, have presented a near constant array of complex challenges related to shepherding a church during this pandemic. The latest complex challenge is perhaps the trickiest yet, how to prudently resume in-person gatherings. As if the logistical details weren't challenging enough, how to maintain social distance and limit crowd size, whether or not to require masks, to sing or not to sing, because singing projects 
four to ten times further the projection of virus, they estimate, what to do with children, and so on. The whole conversation is fraught with potential for division. If a congregation and within it a leadership team is at all a microcosm of a larger society, it will likely contain a broad assortment of strongly held convictions. Some will be eager to meet in person, person and impatient to wait much longer to get back to normal. Others will insist it's unwise to meet at all until there's a vaccine, and plenty will fall somewhere in between. In such a precarious and polarizing environment, how can churches move forward in beautiful unity rather than an ugly division? I've watched it in the last week here or so, and, and especially this last week as the weather's gotten nicer, as the different things are happening around the country and the streets are full again, uh, people are pushing the limits increasingly. Uh, I, I don't judge that one way or the other. And so increasingly we're having to look and say, okay, at what point will we begin to meet here? Yesterday for the first time I met with a group of people outside of staff um, on location, uh, social distanced, etc. It was a collection of our medical personnel from four different uh, health systems people who are leaders in those health systems and have respect and regard in that area. And I asked for their input. So I'm not drawing from CNN, I'm not drawing from Fox, I'm not drawing from Atlanta and CDC or Washington, D.C., though I draw from all of those sources still. In this case, it was an actual conversation with people who are on the front lines, people I know and trust and have been in a relationship with, uh, in many cases, for decades of time. And so as we examined this as a medical issue, not political. It is not a political conversation for us at all. And we're coming to grapple with the whole issue of how do we reconvene and what will be the criteria and what's involved. We've just started to scratch the surface of that. And as we have um, more information, we're going to communicate that to you. But inevitably, there's going to be some degree of a clash I recognize from just even the reports we're having around the country. I think one of the most critical ones is probably going to be over masks, to wear them, to not wear them. All that's involved with that, uh, the social distancing issue, to touch, to not touch. I, I had a friend post the other day how he was at what sounded like a funeral, and at first everyone was distanced and masked, but then the need for contact overcame it, and they were touching and holding, and the mask came off. And I text to a friend as a, as a person reading a story, I'm deeply moved by that need for that. As a leader responsible for others, I'm somewhat disturbed that those things were moved past so quickly. So as we attempt to grapple with how we operate going forward and gather that information, there's some thoughts I want to place with you. In Romans chapter 14, um, Paul is dealing with an issue of worship, and he's dealing with a conflict in some ways of worship, and it had to do with food and, and, and social gathering. And I want to read to you in the message version a few portions from this. And you're not going to see it on the screen. I just want you to hear this for a moment. I'm reading for the message because it saves some of the commentator on it I could offer. It says, Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say anything, something you don't agree with, even when it seems that they are strong on opinions, but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. 
He talks about the importance of keeping a day holy and how it belongs to God. And Jesus at one point said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We are still the church wherever we're at. Now let me also make clear, I long to have contact. I am social by nature. I have been my entire life based around the community of the church gathered. And I, I find this to be strange in what we've been enduring right now. But there are also other considerations that have to be kept in mind as we go forward. The passage goes on at one point and talks about freeing us from the petty tyrannies of each other. Of how other people will view or judge us or the conflict that can come from that because I'm doing this or not doing that. In the conversation we had yesterday with medical, um, one of the people made a comment that had been uh, a little bit of a violation of this curtain guidelines of distancing and they were trying to comment and they, they made the statement, I'm just trying to justify myself now. And that became kind of a, a comment through our conversation as I said something, someone else was like, well, I'm not trying to justify myself or there's no need to justify and, and that kind of stuff. And we tried to create a little bit of a judgment free. It was lighthearted, but with it was the awareness that so quickly there can be a harshness during the season of how one person or one family or one church or one entity or one state is handling it and how another is not. We know so little about the enemy that we are facing and the conflict that we're in right now. And I think patience and, guy and wisdom is going to be important in this time, but also the unity and not attacking one another in this time. It goes on in this passage in, in Romans chapter 14, and there's a statement, he puts it this way, as I live and breathe, God says, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will tell the honest truth that I and only I am God. As I live and breathe, and, and this kind of is the same line as, as what you'd hear with this phrase of truth be told. Truth um, be told is usually a statement that's done signaling an important or emphatic or controversial admission from the speaker or the writer. An important, emphatic, or controversial admission. And so God's emphasizing in this moment, as I live and breathe, every knee will bow, every tongue will tell. We're all going to be together before the Father at one point in time. And we all are going to be judged by Him and how we've handled this crisis. One of my friends in the meeting yesterday, one of the ones that would have identified with this current generation, made the statement, that this is one of the defining moments of our humanity, he said. We were not part of a civil war or World War I or World War II. Our generation will be judged by how we handle this as human beings. And I said at the beginning of this uh, crisis, several months ago, I said that stories are going to be told of this time. And what will those stories say of us? Now, thus far, thus far, we as a church, the story would be one of generosity, of grace, of civility, of love, of encouragement, of sacrifice. That, that, that's our story thus far. Let's not, in this next season of time, mess that up. Truth be told, important, emphatic, or controversial admission by the speaker. Truth be told, this is going to be a long struggle, folks. This is going to be a long struggle. We're beginning the process of gathering people on location. We'll keep you informed as to what that looks like and when that moves to the point where larger groups will be gathering. But this is going to be a difficult time. 
And the phrase, truth be told, is said. It's something that's often said of a truth, but it's reluctantly offered. I'm not rushing to offer this to you. I'm just saying this will be a challenging time, and we need to maintain the faith and the unity and the community of believers in this season. People are watching the church, and if they see us as entitled, ignorant individuals, uncaring of the general population, caught up only with ourselves and our essentialness, that's going to speak volumes. But if we can maintain our unity, our truthfulness, our honesty during this period of time, and still love one another, that will also speak volumes. The Romans passage ends by saying, here's what you need to be concerned about, that you don't get in the way of someone else making life more difficult than it already is. 1 Corinthians 8 9 says, take care of this right of ours, whether it's our right to wear a mask, not to wear a mask, to be present, to not be, whatever it is, that our right does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. I only have one or two more thoughts I want to offer to you. There's something that I've said during this time, and I've had to catch myself as I've said it, or at least qualify it. Since we're talking a little bit about truth and uh, what that's about, I've wanted to say, and I have now put it in print once or twice, this too shall pass. That, that there's going to be a point in time where these things are going to pass by and, and they'll be over with. This phrase, this origin, has been linked to a number of things. According to a rabbi, um, King Solomon was trying to humble his wisest servant, so he asked him to perform a seemingly impossible task to find something that did not exist. And so he requested of this, this wise servant who he wanted to humble a magic ring, one that if a sad man wore it, he would become happy, and if a happy man wore it, he would become sad. The story suggests that the servant could not find anything of such a nature, so King Solomon decided upon himself to go to a jeweler and design a ring with the inscription in Hebrew saying basically this, this too shall pass. So that as a person would look at that in the time when things were really tough, that they'd remember this moment will pass. And if they were in high moments and wonderful times to remember that too will also pass. And, and so it would engender a type of humility and an appreciation for what is present. Most of you probably thought that that was a biblical passage. There is no place in the Bible where it says, this too shall pass. Now, there are many phrases where it says, it shall come to pass. And maybe that's how it got linked in our minds. But even though it's not a biblical phrase, it is a truthful phrase. Perhaps it came into our lexicon as Americans due to something that happened on September 30 in 1859 when Abraham Lincoln, this time it's the truth, recounted a story in one of his speeches where he said this truth. This one you can fact check. Quote, it is said an Eastern monarch once charged his wise men to invent him a sentence to be ever in view which should be true and appropriate in all times and situations. They presented him the words, quote, and this too shall pass away, unquote. How much it expresses, Lincoln said. How chastening in the hour of pride 
How consoling in the depths of affliction. It may not be biblical, but it is true that this too shall pass. But the stories and actions that we do during this time will be talked about later and ultimately will be judged before God for it. I am not a performer. I am not a politician, nor are my colleagues in this church. We are not personalities, media or otherwise. We are pastors called to shepherd the flock of Jesus Christ. An audience via this communication is not a congregation. And while we welcome you, even if you've never been a part of our congregation, to view this or to, to pursue the things of God and to understand that until you're actually part of a congregation, part of a community, you're not complete in Christ, according to what the Scripture would say. And so I'm not confused by this at all. That, and it's not an audience I speak to today. Today, I speak to a congregation a grouping of people that I love very dearly and I would not risk one life. I would not be pressured into one action that would cause someone to stumble or be harmed. And so as we continue to strive to love one another, to listen to what the authorities and respect them, to not test God, we will sort out and we will reconvene and I long for that. I'm, I'm ready for it now. But again, this is a medical issue, not a political one. And that's the lens through which we are gathering, and that's the lens through which we are gathering material and information to know how we can do this in a way that will bless and not hurt and not harm. We will not walk with fear, but we are also not going to be fools in the process. I say one final thing to you. In that MA fight, MMA fight that I watched, it was so weird, the silence, just hearing the blows and what was going on. And, and at one point, one of the fighters was, was clearly not gaining the upper hand. He was being handled. But then he came back after one of the rounds, and he began to dominate his opponent, and he won the uh, fight. <laughs> and this was the funny thing. is As his hand was being lifted, as he was being interviewed afterwards to this quiet auditorium, the cheers weren't there, the outing, shouting, the screaming, the loud music, none of it was there. They said, what happened? You seem to have shifted in that last portion of the fight. He said, I was doing this, but then I heard the commentator, one of the television commentators, radio commentators, he said, I heard him say, looks like this is happening. He probably should shift up and do this. And he says, I heard that. So he said, I shifted up and I did what he told me, what he was saying to do. And he won the fight. Now that is ridiculous. In the normal space of events, this guy would have never heard the commentator. It would have been drowned out by the crowd and the music and the cheers and all that's part of that. You have people pulling on you and cheering and screaming and yelling from so many different sources today. And it's only going to get louder in these next couple of weeks. We're in the middle of a fight and we don't even fully understand our opponent yet. I want to encourage you by the grace of God I want to encourage you as a pastor. I want to encourage you as a fellow believer and part of this community. Don't let those crowds take away or drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit. In this time period, be wise as the serpents, but be as harmless as doves. 
Don't be caught up in gossip or untruth. Love one another. Respect the authorities. Don't test God in this. And finally, in 2 Corinthians, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. And I look forward to that. Encourage one another. Be of one mind and live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Father, in this season, I pray more than ever before. God, let us hear your voice in this season and continue to be the church, I pray. Amen. Truth be told, this is going to be a difficult season, even more so than it already has been. And there'll be challenges that we're going to face, and we're going to have to handle those. I encourage you to try to stay close to the face of God, to press in, to go counter against your own desires, your own instincts. And I'll share quickly as we grab here a situation I had early in this season of time. At the very beginning, practically, in the first two or three weeks, I was the last one leaving the church, and I'd taken a amount of time, and, and as I was pulling out of the parking lot, no cars around, suddenly a, a large black truck with tinted windows pulls in, and I rolled down my window. As they pulled in, they rolled down theirs, and I said, can I help you? And they said, who's asking? And I'm like, uh, the pastor of the church whose parking lot you pulled into. I'm just turning around. Okay, no big deal. I pull up, they swing around, they're on my right pulling out, I'm going to be going to the left, they roll down their window, I'm figuring there's a little more conversation, and the conversation went like this, really godly attitude, you need to lose it, then roll up their window and peeled off. Now I had just spent a half hour in the sanctuary before I left, quieting my own spirit from the events of the day, and after that experience, I wanted to get very medieval in regards to that individual who I do not even know. And I was processing that as I went the other direction and rejected the opportunity to have a road rage event and pursue them. There is much around this time that is trying to take our joy. It may have taken our close fellowship and contact, but don't let other people's anger or fear or anxiety or your own overcome that joy that we still have in Christ, that presence of his Holy Spirit. Lean into that and resist these things, whether it's online or in person. You guys have been fantastic in this season. Generous, loving, graceful. Stay the course. Next week we'll continue um, in the Psalms unless something else comes up. There'll be prayer immediately following this uh, by Zoom and you can Look at that and pursue that. Father, by your grace, even now scattered, we are gathered. And by your grace, we continue to let your spirit guide our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.